Good afternoon. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana. And we have a couple of special guests for you today. And I think they are somewhere around Chicago in Illinois. And uh, their names are Elizabeth and Denise. And we'll talk about their last names in a minute. And uh, the other thing I want to mention to you, all of the listeners, is that we now have an iTunes podcast. And that means you can subscribe to all the, the shows that we're, we're having and going to be having. And uh, lots of uh, fun things for you to listen to. Um, today, the, as I mentioned to you, the, Elizabeth Roberts is going to be talking with us, as well as Denise Kliva. And uh, uh, that's a Swiss name, by the way. And uh, I just happen to know that because I'm pretty good at those names. <laughs> no, it's not true. Uh, but anyway... Uh, here we are. It's a Friday, right? It's Friday, and it's 3.52 in Fishers, Indiana. That's where I am. It's north of uh, Indianapolis a little bit. And um, it's uh, 3.52 here. It's uh, it's 2.52 in Chicago. And uh, it's a cold day here, and I bet it's cold in Chicago too, right? Is it cold yeah. up there? <laughs> really cold. All right. Well, and we happen to be getting close to Christmas. We are only 18 days away. But I know that Denise and uh, Elizabeth are really in a good mood because they are done for the day, right? They, we are on the weekend. Week, yeah. They are on the weekend. So yeah. we're going to have a good ch little chat here. Um, anyway, um, uh, Elizabeth, um, what uh, can you tell us about uh, a little bit about your, your, your life, your family, uh, and uh, how long you've been at your school there in the name of the school? Okay. Yeah. Um, so my name is Elizabeth Roberts. Um, I'm a K through eight French teacher at the Avery Coonley School um, in Downers Grove, Illinois. And you wanted to know about my my family a little bit. Yes. Or yes. Background. So um, I grew up in Wheaton, Illinois, not far away from here. And um, I am the mother of two children. I live with my husband and uh, my daughter Addie, who's four and a half, and my son Isaiah, who is two. And they're very, very guapos, right? And very handsome very kids. Guapos and and I, yeah. I see them quite a bit on Facebook, and I can vouch for that. They, they are yeah. really cute kids. Yeah, they're, they're yes, sweet. they are. Yeah. They are very sweet kids. And uh, and Denise, how about you? Well, I've been at the Evercoolie School uh, for 24 years, long time, and my husband is Swiss, hence the Swiss name. Um, I grew up in Michigan, and then I went to Switzerland as an exchange student when I was a senior in high school, and that's where I met my husband. Uh, we have two children, Daniel, who's still in high school, he's 17, and then our daughter, Rachel, who's uh, living in New York. She's on her own now. She's out of college. So, so we have um, two dynamic teachers, uh, French teachers. They um, uh, teach at a private school, correct? It is a private right. school. And uh, Elizabeth, can you tell us a little bit about school? How many students, um, the, the principal's name or the president's name, however it goes there. Okay. So our, our head of school, we call it, is um, Paul Drzezinski. Um, and I don't know how many students are in the school, about 300, 300, yeah. three to 400, 400 yeah. students. There's about 36 students in each class. So it's K through eight, actually early childhood through eight. So three-year-olds till... 14 or so. So your classes are mixed then, I take it? Yes, boys and girls in the class, right. yeah. And uh, so at the, with, um, now French is the only language there, correct? Yeah. I thought it's so, yeah. 
which is really quite unusual, I think. Um, it's the only language here it has been since the end of uh, World War II. And um, it's one of the few, you know, early start, long sequence programs around. And we consider ourselves very lucky to be in that kind of program. And it's just the two of us, so we have the whole school. Um, and it's, it's really nice because we get to watch the kids grow and make progress. And, um, you know, we get to see them when they're, when they're five all the way up till the time they're 14. And they change a lot. Oh, they grow a lot. That is and amazing. They yeah. learn a lot of French. And they learn a lot of French. And it's so. fun for us to see that. Now, like, so <laughs> what, where do they go then after that, after they hit 14? Um, we have students that will go to public schools in the area, public high schools, um, some to private high schools. We do have students that go to boarding schools out east as well. So that's the end of eighth, eighth grade, eighth grade. Yeah, it finishes in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. kind of. I all thought it was so. Eighth grade is um, uh, the the last. That's the last. Yes, that's right. Class. Mm -hmm. Now, as you go through the classes, and so you have the kids all the way through, which really is neat, and you can see how they've improved and get better and better. And uh, what now again, what's the name of the school? Avery Coonley School. Yeah, Avery Coonley And obviously it must be kind of one of the better uh, private schools around. It's been yeah. there a long it's, time. It's the mission of the school is to serve the academically gifted. So it's a gifted school, um, and... Yeah, it's a, it's a very good school. <laughs> now, the other thing I know about you two guys, uh, gals is that um, uh, you have your little uh, educational uh, activity books and posters, et cetera, et cetera, and all kinds of little things, uh, learning that you started this little neat little company called uh, Real Language Now. Is that it? Real Language? Real Language Right Away. Right Away. Close. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make it a little... It's shorter there. Real, real language now. Real language right away. All right. So, it, at any rate, uh, tell us a little bit, the listeners, a little bit about what you guys do with that. You've done a lot with this. And how long have you been doing the company now? This is kind of a, your hobby, right? Out, outside of class. As if you don't have enough things to do, you're doing this, right? Right. So, um, it's almost been 10 years now. So, we started writing in 2009. Oh, um, and... When I came, so I've been at Avery Coonley for 15 years. Um, when I came into the program, um, the lower school program was very much uh, vocabulary based. So the kids learned a lot of vocabulary. They knew a lot of different names of animals, but they didn't necessarily know how to communicate meaningfully. And then in the middle school program, it was kind of a, a classic grammar approach where you'd start with, you know, uh, um, you'd start with regular verbs and then go to irregular verbs and so on and so forth. Um, but what we, were, what we really wanted the students to be able to do was to communicate. And we were finding that sometimes the way we were, what we were doing in class and what we were, how we were evaluating the students wasn't lining up with our goals. Um, so we just started to experiment. And we actually, we had this grammar textbook that we just threw in the recycling bin one day. We decided to just start creating our own stuff. And um, we presented at a conference of, a local conference here in Illinois and um, presented a bunch of our different resources and ideas. And um, the thing that people were really interested in was this partner conversation. And that's the backbone of our approach. It's basically a, a very simple di dialogue between two people and there is an element that can be changed and replaced. So students, the idea is you give the students everything that they need to have a meaningful conversation and they get started talking right away. And so they become really comfortable with those structures and um, expressions, and then are and then we move them into more spontaneous production. Um, 
Did I miss something there? So that's a part of your your uh, activities and your your philosophy. Mm-hmm. I think this is probably correct. Is that um, it's production of language, right? It's yes, yeah, total it's really, production of language where the kids produce uh, and and use language, correct? And, and a, I think in a context, of, by the way, right? A lot of context to it. Yes, and I think part of our frustration. Um, was that, you know, we wanted our students to be able to speak, but we realized that we weren't giving them what they needed to communicate. We were giving them lots of vocabulary, but we weren't giving them the structures or the opportunity to practice so that they could use that language um, in a communicative context. So um, when we started doing that experimenting, I think the partner conversation came out of that, and we were using it sort of as a supplement, and then we sat down one day and said, hey, this is where the learning is going on. This needs to be what we focus on, and then everything else will kind of supplement that mm-hmm. that conversation. Yeah. So at first we were going to just write a you know a, a book of these conversational activities, which we did. Um, but then we decided to create a whole program with assessments and you know other activities that go along with that. Um, um, yeah. So we just we created a whole program. So now we have two levels of French, two levels of Spanish, and one level of Mandarin Chinese. And uh, for the listeners uh, uh, who uh, have not seen some of the products, now what is your uh, website address? It's www.reallanguagerightaway.com. Okay, www.reallanguagerightaway.com. That's right. And uh, for any of you who would like to check into the materials, I will tell you right away, they're beautiful, wonderful materials and tremendously creative. And uh, they're very contextualized. There's, in a context, uh, a, a really solid learning context. I was going to ask you about that, about contextual learning. When you have a context, right, where uh, within what the kids are doing, and uh, I know we, you showed me some of your posters at ACFEL in uh, New Orleans at the conference. And... Uh, but that was very contextualized. You know, there was a meaning with it, and a, you know, you got to, the, to see a lot of meaning going on, and with not a lot of text. You know, which was, do you find that really helpful when you write the, the contextualized things or not? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when we do the conversation, there's usually some sort of situation, or yeah. even with our posters, our classroom target posters. The context, I would say, is the classroom. So what's going to be useful for the student in the classroom? Um, and, you know, if, if we can't find an image that's going to um, give a very clear meaning of what's on the poster, then we will translate it in English. Um, because we feel like we, and we don't speak any English in our classroom. The, the children don't either. But um, we want to make sure that they're going to be able to transfer that language and use it in a different situation. Right, right. Um, so... Now, the, um, um, is the writing is like a hobby, kind of, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's not really, I wouldn't say it's a hobby because we... Well, but you really like doing it, right? I mean, it's... We, lo- we love doing it. It's, very, it's a very fun process, you know. I, I think my, my best teaching moments are when I'm using something that we've created mm-hmm. and it's going well. And, you know, as, and I think my favorite teaching moments are when I'm, I'm using something new. I think that mm-hmm. that's one of the challenges of, of being in this K-8 program where we have the same students year after year is we have to keep it fresh and we have to keep it fresh for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Denise has been here for 24 years, mm-hmm. me for 15. And, and I, if I teach the same thing every year, I'll just get bored. So um, I just love 
creating new things and trying them out and seeing how, how that works. Um, which, which really helps your learners, right? You're the kids you have in class as well. Uh, mm-hmm. your, your preparation is obviously off the chart, both of you, w- with your French. And uh, some of the materials, too, that I've, I've seen over the years you guys have developed are fascinating. And I especially like the conversation, little conversation cards and all the, the, again, back to the context and real life meaning, right? Real life. This is real, real language, as you say, real language in your company title. But it is real language. And uh, uh, if the the listeners get a chance to visit your website, and it's so nice to see uh, two American teachers teaching French who are writing in French. That is excellent and astounding. So... I congratulate you for that. That's really, really nice. And uh, it's really practicing what you teach, right? It really is. And, and carrying things to the, the utmost when you when you are able to do that. Now, what about the school, you guys? are? Is it a good school year? Everything's going great so far? Uh, I, yeah. You're probably I, exhausted, right? <laughs> yeah. You're like supposed to win a break, so yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> December can be a challenge sometimes, I'm sure. Um, all teachers know that, right? Yeah, um, but yeah, you know the the year started off really well. Um, I got a chance to go to the um, the NEL the um, N N E L L um, uh-huh. summer institute in New Jersey this summer, it's, and it was all early language teachers. Um, it was really great to be able to connect with those people and, and hear a lot of great speakers. And that's got and, to be quite a group, right? That's quite a yeah. large, large group of yeah. people. And yeah. so for your listeners, I would really recommend um, coming to this this conference if you're an early language teacher. Um, it will be in Chicago um, this summer. So, um, but it was it was just great to to meet with those people, and um, I think it kind of renewed my energy for um, especially for teaching young kids and challenged me that I could um, connect with, you know, we've always been really, um, really committed to using only the target language in class. And sometimes that we've said to each other, like, well, we're just not going to get to know the kids as well as the other teachers, because there's this language barrier. They don't understand everything we're saying. Um, and they can't express all the things they want to tell us. Um, but uh, I've just, I was just challenged to, to really be more intentional about connecting with each individual student, especially the younger students, um, because I think that um, one really important thing in, 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 in teaching language is creating this safe atmosphere, the safe place for kids to learn where they're not afraid to take risks and where they feel comfortable with you and with their, their peers um, so that sort of just gave me a lot of energy for the school year and it's been, it's been, it's been fruitful. And I think we've also just kind of decided to go a little slower, like to just to do our units a little slower, to go a little deeper, to take time to ask kids how they're doing and, and, um, it, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? Just things to, in our classrooms that yes. are joyful and, and that will, um, yeah. just a love of language learning. But it makes all the difference, right? To take time, to take that extra time and. And to talk to the kids, or you do understand things, and to really reinforce things better, perhaps, and you know, do a little bit more oral work and practice, and uh, instead of hurrying to get finished with material, right? Which right. in many cases, unfortunately, but there are places that still do that. You know, it's hurry up, cover all the material. And that's the name of the game, you know, and, and luckily your school is very lucky to have you guys be, to be able to do that and and, and have the, the, the foresight and knowledge to, to 
control things a little bit, you know, because it's very, very important in the learning process. Um, well, so what do you guys do at Christmas? I remember my Christmas teaching, and, and when I was in junior high or middle school, now it's middle school, it was in my day it was called junior high, but I, when I taught in middle school, it was, uh, it was always exciting, you know, it was, it was trying to survive, you know, and then I remember how we did, used to do, we used to break a piñata, we did, um, uh, kids would make piñatas, we'd break piñatas, we'd have a, a Christmas party, and uh, did all the, made Christmas cards, all these crazy things. But it was fun, you know, it was going to kids love, love that stuff. But, uh, and then in high school, it was about the same, only it was a little more sophisticated, you know. But it was, they still enjoy, the kids enjoy doing all these zany, crazy things that, that were off, you know, the, off the normal track of things. Uh, which, the holidays are fun, right? When you get a, you know, you get all these things, you know, that you get to do, right, with with the culture, you know, that, that you can celebrate with the kids, which makes it good. So when you do this, um, uh, is there a, uh, uh, how is it in French, Père Noël or something? Right. Uh, well, right? Yes, Am I right on that one? Is that correct? Is that yeah. Père? Okay, yep. good. good. Okay. So yesterday was um, St. Nicholas Day, so we had a lot of classes and um they all put their shoes out outside the, the classroom oh, door, and good. we had, you know, San Nicolas who came and filled up their shoe. Well, gave them one candy. One candy. One, one, one candy. We had 300 pieces of candy, and we had to organize it so somebody would come by and put the candy in the shoe while we were teaching. Um, so, you know, that's fun. Yeah, that's a fun tradition. Now, do you, do you sing Christmas carols and go around the school and sing yeah, for the other classes? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, we're that. yeah, yeah. That's always mm -hmm. fun too, right? That's, uh, yeah, we have a little Christmas bingo. And, oh, the, the Christmas bingo, right? <laughs> Denise is the queen. Oh, she's the, the queen person. of the holidays. She, <laughs> she's always like, oh, you know, one of my eighth graders. We were talking. We were talking. We we're using. We we're studying the imperfect tense, and so I was asking them like what things were like in French class in lower school. And one girl was explaining like. Yeah, I loved I loved lower school French because we would just study Christmas for a, for four weeks. <laughs> oh, that's good. And it's just okay. like Madame Pivot. But but it's you know when the kids get out of school, those are the things they remember. You know they used to they'll remember the the really fun things and especially they always remember those. They won't remember all the little tests you know and all the little but they remember those and. Yeah. Uh, now, do you guys teach with skits a lot? Do you do skits a lot when you're teaching? Yeah, a lot of role play. You know, sometimes uh -huh. it's not it's not a scripted skit. We'll just give them a situation, and then they practice the situation, and then we do an evaluation where they have to. Uh -huh. It's what they can do spontaneously. So they get graded a little bit on their oral production. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, lots of oral grades. Yeah, we try That's to keep good. it very balanced between the oral and the written evaluation. And we we found that since we've started to do that, you know, we just have fewer kids that will fall through the cracks because they don't decide early on. You know, we there's some kids that just are not good speller. My my son is like right. just not a good speller, right. and so if that's what we're evaluating, and they're constantly getting these poor grades, um, you know, at one point they decide, well, I'm not good at this. And once they've made that decision, um, it's pretty hard for them to learn a language. So I think that by having it be balanced and having mm -hmm. them succeed. Um, you know, orally has really kept those kids sort of um, 
on on board for learning a language. And that's important. I think learning a language is emotional. You have to feel positive yes. about things to engage. And I always tell the kids, you know, I can't drill a hole in your head and pour it at. You've got to engage with that. Yes. And part of that is keeping them on board and keeping them excited about what they're learning. Yes. Now, so what's what's your favorite teaching strategy of all time? What what's the favorite thing you like to do when you're teaching? Favorite activity? I well, I like to um, see the kids in action. So I really think that you know, especially K through eight, I think that it's important for them to be able to communicate um, using French. And, and it, I find it really exciting if I have something prepared that allows them to communicate with one another in a very spontaneous way. So, for example, today in class, I was asking them questions about Holiday House. We have Holiday House at school, and the kids can go and buy presents for their parents. So I was asking them how much money they had to spend. And they were telling me, and of course they were telling me in French, but then somebody said, well, you know, I have nothing. And they, well, he wanted to tell me in English, and I said, you can't, you know, I want you to say it in French. And um, he came up with it, and I thought that, that was really exciting for me to, to hear him use that language to express um, what he wanted to express. So I think just having them communicate in a really authentic way is exciting for me to see. In a, real, in a real way, right? The real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's exciting for them to so, realize, oh, right. hey, I just you know gave this information and I did right. it in French. It was useful. Elizabeth, do you have the same feeling for that the, the, when they per, per, communicate yeah, and produce language? Yeah, we're really on the same page. We, we work very closely together and I think, you know, it's the same for me. Um, I don't know if this is a strategy, but my, my favorite classes, it's not a strategy, but my favorite teaching moments, some of them are when when the students sort of take control of the conversation and they're asking for, they're trying to, you know, they're asking for new words or they're asking new language and they, it's because they, they're really desiring to, to get their point across to say something to me or to, to each other and, um, you know, sometimes like um, in third grade, recently this is an example like we were, we were we had this little conversation a la maison they're talking about like where do you um where do you bake a cake i bake a cake in the kitchen and there so there were cho- choices of you know different activities and different places in the house and then i took that a little bit further the next day and i just wrote où est-ce que tu where do you on the board and then um and then we brainstormed some different questions uh, different verbs like où est-ce que tu fais un gâteau where do you make a cake i'm using the cake example again i don't know why um and then uh and then i gave i gave them a bunch of places like that were some of them were kind of like ridiculous like in paris in the cafeteria um i don't remember all, all kinds of different places and so we just played with that language for 20 minutes where First, they were asking, or I was asking them questions about where they did things, and they were giving me funny responses, and they were saying things like "right here," like "ici," you know, and they, you know, they were doing ridiculous things in French class and and lower school, you know, elementary school's humor is just—it's so easy. I mean, you say anything that's just off the wall, and they, and they like it. It's hilarious, and when in those moments when they're really laughing about something that's that's very silly. Like one of my one of my kids wrote a, a writing thing today, and he said. Um, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon, I eat the world. Je mange le monde. And you know, that doesn't make any sense, but they it's are funny. all engaged because they think it's so funny, funny and they're, and they're internalizing that language. So, 
Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's fun to just really focus on a certain structure and, and play with it and let the kids play with it. And then at the end of the class period, they were asking me questions and they were, you know, I was giving them funny responses about where I did different things. So anyway, that's just an example. So it's, it's also when they create their own language, right? Correct. When they're expressing, yeah, when they internalize and, and, and create their, in, in essence, they're, they're creating their own internal language, right? And right. when they do this. Right. You're, you're giving them what they need to manipulate the language and to and to make it meaningful for themselves and and to really you know oh we our goal is always just for them to really own you know different structures and own different expressions so that you know if we see them in the hallway at school and ask them a question or you know they're able to respond in a, in a in an authentic way. So, so what what's your biggest challenge in in teaching? What do you find the toughest part of the job for teaching? Like it, anybody, young teachers listening or people going into the profession to the show today, what's the toughest part of teaching that you've, that your biggest challenge when you teach? Um, I think what, one thing we're grappling, we are constantly grappling with in, in our program is kind of this tension between wanting these kids to communicate and also wanting them to learn grammar and and make language accurate <laughs> because um, our students are very comfortable and sometimes they just sort of, you know, they don't bother to conjugate their verbs when they're talking orally and it sounds kind of a mess, but they're, they are communicating. They're getting their point across. And um, I think we are, sometimes we struggle to find ways to push them to sort of refine their language. Um, and <laughs> You know, no, it's, that, it's a that, question, how do, how do you push them to do that? Because that, that's an excellent point. grammar, but yes. oftentimes it feels very disconnected from that moment of spontaneity. Um, and I know it's just, it's a process that takes time. And sometimes we don't see the fruit of that by the time they let, leave here. That, so. That's such a, a good point. This, um, um, you know, how do you, how do you do these, um, you know, how do you get the creativity to come into play in all of this, you know, and. Uh, the role of creativity for perhaps, you know, and things. So uh, definitely the case. And I, th I think that's definitely a, a challenge, a, a tough, tough thing to say. Denise, would you say the same thing on that or would you? Um, I think so. I mean, it's something that we talk about all the time. We, you know, we um, prepare all our, all our own curriculum and we're constantly thinking about that, you know, especially when we get to middle school, how much do we want to focus on, on the grammar and going for accuracy and you know is it fair to say okay when you're speaking I'm giving you full credit because I understand right. you but now all of a sudden I want you to have that accent um it's and I'm going back and forth and I find well, that you know and, and, and that's I just stick with yeah. one but I can't and I'm going to spin off here a little bit for the young teachers listening or, or future teachers that one of the interesting things about this uh, grammar idea though is and and I it's you, the native speakers don't even speak correctly. Many of the native speakers, mm -hmm. we in English, uh, people in French, Spanish, whatever, they they don't they're not experts in grammar. Many mm -hmm. people, I mean, millions and millions of people, and I think <laughs> that's sometimes that's very no, but, but and I think sometimes we get so bogged down, and a lot of times maybe it's the textbooks or whatever about the grammar and this and that and the grammar and. And then, you know, and I don't know if there's any solution to the problem. Maybe there isn't. You know, you try to do the best you can with the kids, but 
But uh, it isn't a, a thing that everybody's perfect. Even native speakers are not perfect at it. Uh, there are native speakers as well who enunciate, don't enunciate well. And, you know, it's very, they're hard to understand. I, I have people, I go in certain parts of the United States, I can't understand them, you know. And uh, maybe it, it poor enunciation or, or, or just the, the, the accent is so off the ball and the pronunciation, I can't figure out a lot of time. Now, the, the, that is, it's very tough, I think, in a language. Like you said, I think that's... Uh, that's definitely a tough thing to, to figure out. You know, how do you how do you uh, make the, the the do all this at one time and try to do it correctly, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I I tell my students many times I say you have to realize you're not native speakers, you know, yeah. and you never will be native speakers because you're not living in the country every day, et cetera. And so you do the best you can, right? And you try to you know practice, have a little accent, invent it, and then some people pick an accent up in two seconds. There are other people that spend their whole lives, and they just, they're the ear, they don't have the ear for things, and, and again, that becomes a challenge, too. Like, you were saying, you know, how, you know, how do you include the grading into this, or, you know, the, and how, and keeping the kids going, and things, and uh, Sometimes I think it's osmosis too, don't you? The longer they get it, stay in there, the language, and keep studying it, they get better. Yeah. You know, and uh, they learn more quickly. Yes, right. every year, and they get better, and they learn quicker if they just stay in there and don't drop language, as uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the language program then is, um, uh, if we talk about um, the teaching of culture today. Uh, versus 10 years ago. Do you think the teaching of culture has changed a lot in, in the language classroom over the in last... General? Yes. In general? Yeah, I think I think people are more um, more concerned about it. Um, well, and, and I think that we just have so much more avail available to us. I mean, um, with the internet, you know, you can get videos today. I didn't show it today, but I was planning to and I got sidetracked, but um, we're talking about the canteen in France, and I have a little video of you know the kids getting their meal in the canteen at school, and then we'll talk about the differences. Well, I didn't have that available to me 15 yeah. years ago, and it, it's just a little three-minute video, and then you have this whole conversation, and it's it's much more interesting for the kids because they're seeing these the French students. Well, yeah, and the technology in the last five years is just you know it's off the wall. You know, you can go on YouTube in two seconds and right. and practically get get be an expert on about anything you know that you want to look for in culture. Uh, the other uh, thing that's uh, rather um, uh, well, that brings us to another point too, though. Uh, how do you mix technology with with reality when you're teaching? In other words, uh, do you find that easy to do or difficult to do? Or do you, what do you, do you, do you, do you Well, I'm talking about real communication live. And okay. I know you guys do a lot of that. I mean, that's right. Yeah. Your, your whole idea is with what you do. Yeah. But I'm talking about group activities where they talk, speak with each other. Um, do you do that a lot? You know, we have a we have a one-to-one -one program here. So from actually from third grade on, they have access to a computer, um, to their own computer. And we we hardly ever use them in class. We might ask them to do something at home on their computers. Um, but we, we have a, you know, we have a, a smart TV in our classrooms that we use a lot. So to present, you know, 
our conversations or a video or whatever we're doing, we use, we use that technology quite a bit. Um, there's, you know, we can have audio, all the audio and video that we want on there. Um, but as far as the students, um, we find that as soon as you get them on their laptops, it's, you know, kind of game over in terms of communication. They're, they're looking at their screens. And so we just, um, we just don't use them. Yeah. They don't get them out. I mean, and, and, um, and that's fine. You know, the, a lot of the other subjects at school have their, they have their textbooks on the computers and that's, that works for them. But, but, um, our, our goal in any given class, class period is for them to interact with us and with each other as much as possible yes. in French. Which is great. That's good. That's outstanding. Um, So um, in this realm of language learning, in in this day and age of language learning, do you still find it's really great for the kids to travel? I believe, don't you guys do a lot of traveling with the kids? I think you do. Yeah. So in eighth grade, um, we have an immersion trip to Quebec. So we have five French speaking chaperones um, and then the whole class usually goes. And uh, for five days, we only speak French and we have a whole system in place um, to encourage the students to speak French. And it's kind of like a game. They get little tickets if they answer questions correctly. But if we hear them speak English, we write their name down and they lose 10 points. And we start with, what, 200? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's 200 um, point participation. <laughs> right. Great. They lose so they 10, 10 points every point. time they speak That's English, great. but they can kind of gain yeah. them back. And so if they, they lose a lot of points, you know, they have to sit at dinner with the chaperones or and that kind of thing. And then give them give, lots of tickets. Yeah. So it's a whole system, but it works really well. And and the kids come in, you know, when they come back, will say, oh, I'm, I'm dreaming in French, or I went no. to call my mom and I accidentally spoke French. Is there a certain grade when you travel? I mean, like... Um, so that's at the end of eighth grade. grade. Yeah. In eighth April, grade. we always go for right. five days to Quebec. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a family stay program in seventh grade. So uh, we have a sister school in Muret, which is a town south of Toulouse. And um, we take our seventh grade students over there in June, and their school is still in session, so um, that's nice. And then those students will come back in October and visit our students. So it's it's a true exchange. Yes, that's Um, nice. Now, so uh, when you go over there, then uh, is um, how you're there four or five days, and the kids are longer. Uh, There, in France is longer. In France is ten days. Yeah, ten days. Yeah, and. uh, which must be an incredible experience for the kids. I mean, that's... Yeah, and the, the program's grown a lot. Yeah. We have, you know, as I said before, we have about 30, 36 kids in each level, and um, this how last year, 17, 17. 17 of them go. Out of 30. Out of 30. Class so of 30, 17 of the kids are going to France. And then next year, in this yeah. coming year, it's the same, 17. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there have been years where we had as few as four, but it's really caught on. It's kind of become part of the culture of our school. Now, when they go, then they live with the families and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a family stay the whole yeah. time. And they stay in the families and enjoy the culture with the families. They go to, go school, to school with their buddy. Yeah. And the well, chaperones will meet them at school just to kind of check in. But other than Now, that, what do you guys do in the meantime? Do you just kind of have to coordinate the whole thing? Or? <laughs> yes. Coordinate and, you know, we travel with them. And then um, at the airport, the French families pick them up and, you know, we're free. And we uh, check in at school on Monday and then we might go on a field trip with them. Um, so it's pretty, pretty, pretty nice. Pretty <laughs> so not a lot. No, not a lot. We're just there. Well, that's good. You know, that's similar. It's kind of what my summer programs are for me. So <laughs> if everything goes well, fingers crossed, right? 
then it can be somewhat relaxing, right? But inevitably, there's always something that goes wrong. <laughs> Even with teachers, you know, the teachers. Sometimes you'd be surprised that teachers are, you know, they're not, um, you know, the easiest people. Not the, well, yeah, things happen. But anyway, crazy stuff. But they're, pe- they're people. <laughs> like everyone that's else. right. That's exactly right. So, uh, but anyway, um, I want to thank you guys for being on the show. And uh, it's just, you've been wonderful guests as always. And this is your second visit, I know, on the show. And we're delighted yeah, to have yeah. you. And yeah. uh, uh, for the listeners, again, I remind you, uh, you can go to Tom Alsop's podcast on iTunes and uh, sign up to get all the broadcasts and they just come in automatically and uh, you can, you'll have them to listen to. Uh, next week, um, I'm going to be talking to um, Eric and uh, Lise in uh, Denver, Colorado. And uh, there are two uh, high school teachers out there in Denver and Eric is a French teacher and Lise is a Chinese teacher. She teaches Chinese and uh, you guys will have a good time listening and hear to them and, and some of their philosophies about language learning, etc. And um, otherwise, uh, you guys are ready to head out for the weekend, right? I know yeah. you're yeah. chopping oh, at the bit, sure. going, we okay. got it, we're I'm ready to roll. Now, but, yeah, we yeah. have one more duty before the weekend. Oh, you do? But you're almost, yeah. right? Almost there. I'll get into their cars <laughs> at the end of the day. Okay, all right. All right, so uh, when I get this posted uh, on iTunes, Larry I'll, will. I'll let you guys. I'll let you guys know, okay, about that. Does that does that make sense? Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, let let us know when it's posted, and we can, uh, you know, put it yeah, on our social yeah, media and everything. Yeah, share it around the country and things, and that, yeah. that's good. That's what we want to do. And it's yeah. always so good to hear your wonderful ideas. You guys are incredible, and Thanks, uh, and you know the, the good. <laughs> You know, that's kind of like a great teaching. Uh, also uh, breeds great writing and all kinds of things in your company too, right? Which kind of go, goes hand in hand with your awesome teaching. Uh, and have a great weekend and have a great holiday, right? And uh, just, you know, get, I hope you get some time to rest, uh, you know, with the kids. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, we'll uh, see you guys later. And uh, in, uh, again, thank you for being on the show, okay? Au revoir, eh? au revoir, eh? Okay, can you, I was going to ask you to say, give us a couple of sentences or a sentence in about Christmas that you would say. Joyeux Noël. Joyeux okay. And what else? Anything else? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much covered All right. All right. Hey, guys, thank you so much. Mil gracias. Hey, estamos en contacto. We'll be in contact. Okay. Gracias. Okay, bye. Bye.